Welcome to Not Enough Champagne, a podcast promising you tax cuts from day one. My name's Corey Hazelhurst and my partner in propaganda is Steve Haynes. I disapprove, but hi, Corey. Well, it, it, that's the bold off we have to make to win over our membership, Steve. It's not It's not that I agree with it. It just has to be done. It's like brushing your teeth or jogging, I suppose. It says the guy who runs 5 and 10Ks. Current Conservative Party leader Boris Johnson, of course, was described by commentators as a greased piglet able to escape the clutches of any attempt to oust him. Despite desperate attempts to save his bacon, Johnson's finally got the chop. Now there's going to be... Uh, what we assume is going to be a measured serious contest to decide who's going to be, <laughs> to decide who's going to be the next Prime Minister. So during the very jaunty theme tune, we're going to have a quick look at what I'm sure are sober, measured pictures by serious political holders and officers and rulers of state. See how the contest is going and then give you our considered reactions. There's also a quick thing to add here that this situation is changing minute by minute. It is entirely possible that by the time this comes out, multiple people will have already stood down, been kicked out of the election, I don't know, been arrested for tax fraud. Who knows? Terms and conditions apply to all the district contenders can go down as well as up. state of the the, uh, Tory leadership contest to me. Even though he's dropped out and never even made it to the first stage, the most reasonable person out of all of the Tories that have been, uh, that that were running, was Grant Shapps. Because Grant Shapps had one interview where he was asked, do you want to wage a war on on wokeness? And just went, no, I'd like to actually solve people's problems in their daily lives. And that's the high point of the campaign so far. Like, the rest of them have all just gone full in on promising tax cuts from day one. You know, a full-on war on wokeness because apparently it's it's bad for corporations and companies to have political opinions if they're progressive, according to Kemi Badenoch. It's absolutely fine if they happen to be conservative opinions, obviously, but if they they happen to be left-wing, ooh, that's terrible. It is just leaning into what they perceive to be the bread-and-butter issues of of the of the Tory party membership trying to outdo each other on who's the 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 biggest tax cutter who's the most like margaret thatcher who is able to you know you know reinvent the tory party which is what is needed but not actually re- but none of them are actually giving a pitch that's actually meaningful so i i'm going to start with how we should start every episode and that is by thinking about the uk constitution such as it is because uh, obviously this is the, what is it, third leadership election we've had now in this podcast, which has now been going six years. Is it for the Tories? For the Tories. Yeah. All of which have happened in the middle of a parliamentary session. Yep. Which isn't really how this whole thing is meant to work, is it? No. Because what's meant to happen, traditionally, what you're told in the kind of Osborne guide of British politics, is that we have a system called First Past the Post, which gives you, and I'm not making this up, strong and stable government with the majority, which means a prime minister can do stuff. Except the last Prime Minister who actually came into office by winning an election 
and then left office by losing the election with Ted Heath 50 years ago. So it's kind of, again, we'll we'll probably talk in the summer about is there any way around that process? My short answer would be there really isn't really. Unless you completely change how we operate as a a political democracy. Yeah. But the, the, the fact of how it's happening like this, halfway through a term without having an election and it is your very small selectorate that you're appealing to, is it's a process that is completely detached from any form of reality whatsoever. And therefore it's a reality inhabited by the sort of media that is consumed by that selectorate. So it's the Daily Express, it's the Daily Telegraph, it's the Daily Mail. The Times the Sun, to a degree. The Times. Yeah, Conservative Home, maybe even you know, white thing in GB News there, although I don't know if that's watched by anyone. And therefore, yeah, you end up with this ridiculous position where we've got, we've not talked about levelling up. We've not talked about health services in crisis or a pandemic where we've now hit 200,000 deaths. There's been no real substantive talk about the economy or productivity or anything like that. Um, there is a, a climate breakdown. Uh, it's, I mean, w- this episode will go out on Sunday in which heat wave that is scientifically hotter than my hatred for Phil Willis is about to hit this country. None of that is being talked about at all. And instead, as you say, it's this obsession with with trans issues who represent 1% of the population who are already discriminated against, massively discriminated and attacked just because of, through no fault of their own whatsoever. It's completely utterly bizarre. You have Kemi Badnock putting labels on toilets. Have they never travelled on trains before? And this person wants to be in charge of our nation. Although, as we said, she may not actually want to be in charge of our nation. She might just want to get leverage so that she can have a senior job. She she does want to be in charge of the nation. She just knows it's not going to be now. I was just trying to make myself feel better. We have talked a bit on the podcast about the length of Labour leadership contests, which on average last for about three ice ages. But actually... It does mean you can have proper talks about the issues and all that. Yeah. Whereas this is going to be quite a short contest. I think at the Hustings, the 1922 committee held on the day we were recording this. So we're recording this on Wednesday, just had the first ballot. So this is the day, those of you making notes, that Nadim Zahari, Jeremy Hunt got eliminated. I think candidates could speak for about 12 minutes. And 12 minutes isn't really a long time to have a constant judgment about someone. That is your elevator pitch, basically, and that's and that's it. Now, granted, at this... at this, Are they going to stick genders on those elevators? <laughs> Are these gender-neutral elevator pitches? <laughs> but, so, like, pretty much all of the MPs will have some form of relationship and will know the, the, the candidates. Um, so they, they, they know who they are. They will have been in, well, except maybe Remy Chisty, um, who <laughs> came out of nowhere and has vanished back into nothingness. He's now been mentioned more times on this podcast than he got backers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we should stop it now. That's enough. <laughs> mentioned him twice. Once the way up, once the way down. Yeah. yeah all good. All mentions are down. But they, but they, they do have those relationships. They do know who they are. And as a result, like 12 minutes isn't a long time to talk about the policy issues and everything. But it is a it is a reasonable time to get a notion of these are my priorities, um, and given they 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 know them like know them already, they can go they can then go okay 
I already don't think this person is going to be very good for whatever reason, or this person would be all right. And then they can, the, the MPs can make that judgment. The issue is more going to be the fact that even if, like, even if we ended up with everybody dropping out other than the final two tomorrow, um, you then still have basically a month of campaigning. So I've just started twitching. <laughs> uh, to, to discuss the big issues of the day. As you say, from, from looking at what their campaigns are focused on so far, they don't have a clue about how to deal with any of these. Like, I think the only one that's actually come out with some interesting kind of like policy not necessarily saying that so some all of it's good, but some of it's actually been like, okay, I can see you've identified a problem. There is a solution um, that you're presenting. Is Kemi Badenoch in a, in a couple of areas? It's all really very technical about kind of splitting up government departments and things like that. But like some thought has gone in there, and you can you can see that. The rest of them are just, as you say, running on. I will cut tax more than everybody else, or I will cut tax fastest. Apart from Rishi Sunak who's about apparently the only one who's just kind of going, no, no, we can't just cut taxes for the for, for the for the sake of it. We need sound economics, guys. But let's be real. The only reason he's doing that is because he's the one who's been in charge of the economy for the past few years. And if he hadn't been, he'd be running down the exact same thing as everybody else. The second, so Harold Wilson, of course, tried in the 60s and George Brown came in with his Department for Economic Affairs. It'd be an interesting thought experiment to have that happen, but the department not run by an alcoholic. Um, the other thing is that the Michael Gove, big beast in the Tory jungle, did endorse Kimmy Badenoch. Yeah. And as we have said in the podcast, Michael Gove gets things done. It would not, that feels like a very Govian, it makes more sense to Gove's endorsement now, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because that does seem like a bit of a nuts and bolts. This is not, this is Michael Gove, I think, realizing kind of doesn't matter who wins this time round. I'm not getting into cabinet in all likelihood. Well, I don't know. But, but yeah. well, I think he will, which we've now established means he almost certainly won't. He'll yeah. probably cross the floor exactly. and join Labour by the time this comes out. Exactly. But I, I reckon he's he's kind of gone, you know what, I'm probably not in cabinet. Let's go. For, like, But I'm still going to be an MP. I'm not going to be standing down anytime soon. You know, um, so, you know what, let's, let's play the long game. Like I, for whatever reason, I like he likes Kemi Badenoch. He thinks she's got potential. Run with it. Get in there early, basically. Um, become one of her most trusted advisors and political allies. And as you say, Gove gets things done. Gove is a a big political beast in the Conservative Party. Um, and uh, having him in her her, her caller is. Is 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 significant. Yeah, it may not be enough to get her over the line to become prime minister now, but it's the sort of thing that definitely matters in the future. Senior cabinet role, yeah. And actually, Neil O'Brien as well, I think, has endorsed Badnock. Who I think there was that weird period where someone was resigning every fifty minutes a a couple of Thursdays ago, and I think Neil O'Brien is one that it was Kevin Badnock was one of five ministers who resigned at once. Yeah because they ran out of paper. And I think Neil O'Brien was one of them as well. And Neil O'Brien, I think, was involved with policy exchange. So he's, has, he's also one of those Tory MPs on the sort of wonky side yeah. of politics. Coming back to what you said about Sunak and spending and tax, one of the things that is probably worth just having a bit of a chat about is this nature of 
whatever the centre ground is in British politics at the moment. Yeah. Because, and it's something we, we've talked about, especially on the early funny episodes and talking about the Overton window and all that sort of stuff. That So we have a situation where Jacob Rees-Mogg, who unbelievably is still in the cabinet, is calling Rishi Sunak a so he said he was a socialist chancellor, which if he just means socialist isn't spending a lot of money, sure, but that's emergency spending to get you through a pandemic. And actually, it's an interesting thing that is probably worth thinking about: is why is it that you had essentially government spending lots of money on almost like a bit of a UBI, which doesn't seem to have actually changed any form of realization in the government that maybe that's something you could do in the longer term, and instead we're sort of going back to almost tax cuts and austerity given that Sunak now is saying that he would run the economy like Margaret Thatcher which is not what the Tories were elected on in 2019 and again we've sort of yeah. mentioned this countless times at this point and then you've got the also interesting thing that of like of what the perception of what Margaret Thatcher did versus what Margaret Thatcher actually did are very very different as well so like if you actually run the economy like margaret thatcher did you actually have a you know a like you don't immediately go in on tax cuts you don't immediately you, you balance your books and you get things into a quote-unquote healthy state from a macroeconomic perspective um and then you ta- cut taxes that was the order of things that that happened with for, for thatcher but you've got that basically that 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 difference between what thatcher actually did versus what people think what what the tories think thatcher did so you've got that notion the fact that they're still harking back to to thatcher as their their point of comparison given Who do you think they are the labor party yeah um it's like that was the 80s like it was so long ago like like this it's nothing that happened in the 80s really is now relevant in terms of like the modern political or economic situation and yet you're still acting like it's the it's the same and that you can recreate recreate the big bang of banking or whatever we well you can't well, no, we should well and we will for our silly season record an episode on how thatcherism has destroyed the Tory party um yeah. if you squint um but it's also that, again, where the centre ground is and if it exists and what it is, is probably another four hours of discussion. Yeah. But there's a UK and a Changing Europe report from 2020 that looked at what are the attitudes of MPs, councillors, mem- party members, ordinary voters on economic and social issues. And they found that, in, in terms of economics, that most Tory MPs were much more economically right-wing than Conservative voters. And actually, more ec- they, they were more economically right-wing than councillors and members. So that's just asking questions on attitudes to redistribution, big business, is there one more rule? So on something like on um, when they're asked, is there one rule for the rich and one more rule for the poor? I think 5%, around 5% of the Tory MPs that were surveyed agree with that. 72% of the general public agree yeah. with that so it's a massive disparity and it sort of goes the other way on social issues where labor in terms of with, with thinking with our labor hats on labor mps tend to be much closer to their voters sort of economically it's on social issues it sort of divides yeah. it, it again it's that economically left-wing socially more conservative vote that was going conservative that johnson won over which is not going to get run, run over with this pitch at all and so 
in a sense, I don't really care about any polls at the moment that say how would you vote in hypothetical matches. Well, no or... one knows who half the candidates are. No, well, exactly. So no, and who plays on the red wall? They haven't heard of any of them. It doesn't matter. Like it's just a simple sort of political strategic fact that you can't win over voters with this sort of agenda. Yeah. yeah. So there was um, some different polling um, which has come out over the past couple of days which uh, basically asked uh, Tory party members what the kind of like the priorities should be for like the the, the, the next government, i.e. the next whoever the leader is. And guess what number one issue was? Was it... <laughs> ensuring that all bathrooms have a sticky label on? No, it was not. It was cost of living. You mean the fact that we've got 11% inflation? The mm-hmm. fact that inflation might hit even more, the fact that we've got an energy price cap which is going to rise, which means that people's household bills are going to rise by thousands of pounds a year. That's more important. Yeah. The general public is just so selfish. But it's not even the, just the general public. That's Tory party members. Tory party members, are, well, they are selfish by definition, apologies to our conservative friends, we do love you madly. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, so e- even amongst the Tory party members, what's being talked about in this leadership election is miles away from 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 what what they they, they actually want to see and, yeah. and hear about. The, the Tory party has loved the smell of its own farts for a while, and we've sort of talked about this. Mentioned GB News at the start. You have this sort of right wing ecosystem which is just manufacturing absolute nonsense about these really small issues that a very small amount of people care about. Can you imagine if a Labour leadership contest was playing out like this? It would be absolutely obliterated in the press. If if we spend all of our time talking about... I'm trying to think what an equivalent issue would be in a Labour leadership contest. Bankers' bonus tax would be the the, the, the you know the greatest hit from, from long gone days. Um, you know... Or, renationalization of the mines or something like if we started talking about that that we we would just be seen as this complete idiotic party that was completely out of touch with any formal ordinary person whatsoever yeah absolutely and and again in relation to the tax cuts it's the unfunded nature of them like everybody's just saying oh i'll cut i'll cut these particular taxes or i won't i won't increase the xyz well all of these things are already factored into the government's plans what are you going to do about the revenue that was that like if you don't if you don't increase corporation tax to the 28 percent or whatever it was we were going to reduce get it up to um and you just leave it at like the 25 i think it is currently um then that's billions of pounds that was earmarked to go into something what are you going to do about that? What's getting cut? What's not getting invested? What 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 are your priorities? If you're, um, I think it was Jeremy has obviously been been booted out, but there was somebody else as well who promised to do a basically to cut corporation tax to fifteen percent. Somebody did the math on the math on that, and they worked out that was the equivalent of basically getting rid of like the Department of Defense and one and like the Education Department. Like it was, that's how much money it was that would have been lost, and yet they these figures are being hurled around willy nilly, and not being challenged as to how how that's meant to work. Same with the I think I might have been the Sag, but if it wasn't sat the Sag, I do apologise. One of the candidates, and I'm pretty sure it was the Sag, uh, said that they were going to slash du- petrol duty. 
to it was like by Tempe yeah. or something, which apparently I think someone said it would be that it's the equivalent level of making public transport free for everyone. If you're going to do that, just do that. Well, exactly. And can you imagine? And actually, imagine if we had a Labour leadership contest in which Keir Starmer had said that we should make public transport free for everyone. Or that it all brought in, if we were proposing universal basic income or universal basic services, nothing wrong with either of those policy positions. But if we had said that, can you imagine the headlines? It's completely absurd. Um, and then, and, and so. Other, in, in terms of the other sort of weird political gravity we are, you've got um, it, it's Brexit, and we are going to talk about Brexit just slightly because they are so e- even Tom Tugendhat, or may or may not be in the race for the time this comes out, is uh, sort of endorsed the breaking of international law in the Irish Pro- Northern Ireland Protocol we yeah. talked about a few weeks ago on the podcast. But you've got this weird position where Liz Truss, although she voted for Remain, campaigned for Remain. Is on record as saying that voting that Brexit would be a disaster for British farming. He's now seen as the pro-Brexit candidate, Rishi Sunak, who campaigned for Leave on a bit of a sort of global Britain, you know, gets rid of all the regulations and these business uh, argument. He's now seen as the Remain candidate. And on top of all of that, you've then got a, a load of the other candidates kind of tapping j- j- into the to, to that vein of, well, it's time to unleash the benefits of Brexit. I think pretty much all of them have kind of talked about that. It's just like, you've been in government the entire time. They've had a government department dedicated to finding them and found stuff we could do anyway. Yeah, and literally, unless you're going to turn around and basically say, I want to do all of these politically unpopular things because, uh, because which in the, in the short term will hurt us electorally, but in the long term there will be benefits, X, Y, Z, whatever that might be, then fine, but make that case because you need to actually identify and tell us what they are, otherwise people can't actually make an informed choice. Instead, you're just saying, we will unleash the, the, the true strength of Brexit. But then not explaining anything about it at all and like you've had six years guys what they understand by brexit just doesn't really have any sense in reality where we've sort of gone from soft brexit hard brexit which we sort of had vague ideas of what that meant and a soft brexit was a customs union single market and hard brexit wasn't yep and now it's the sort of hard brexit but breaking the international law bit it's just it's just it's just absurd. Maybe the final thing to end on, um, which again goes back to your point about the different priorities of the public and even Tory party members and this leadership race, is climate change. So you've got some candidates openly questioning the UK's commitment to net zero. Uh, I think it's Chris Skidmore from the uh, Tory group to sort of preserve net zeros a bit. Uh, it's very scared that this commitment's going to go. And, I mean, from thinking about the planet for a second, as we occasionally have to do, I mean, that's pretty bad because generally, and this is part of the legacy of Margaret Thatcher and then sort of Cameron and even Johnson as well, looking at what he's at COP26. Like, we are, if we are fortunate for the Conservatives in any one way at all is that in Britain actually we have a mainstream centre-right party that takes environmentalism at least semi-seriously yeah you compare that to the Republicans in America 
or to the Liberal, I think the Liberals in Australia, Scott Morrison just lost an election on, on this. Yeah, the Canadian Conservatives as well. That actually we are quite fortunate in that sense, maybe not in any other sense now at the moment. But so it's so it's bad in that sense that you need if we're going to have any meaningful action on climate change as a country, it needs to be an area of cross-party concepts. It's a bit like foreign policy could have been during the Cold War. Yeah. So, so there's that. The other thing is, it doesn't make any political sense because that survey of Tory party members you talked about earlier, they also see action on climate change as a priority. And actually, action on climate change is massively popular with voters anyway. So it's just, again, completely divorced just from political reality as well as the world that's burning around us. I think, as you say, they've managed to just get themselves in their own little bubble and they've just completely lost touch with a significant part of reality. And to a degree, I think that's kind of what happens when you've been in, in government for, for a decade. Like, you you do end up in a, in a position where, like, you are... It's like... It's like when when Mitt Romney was running to be to be president, he was genuinely convinced that he was going to win, despite what all of the polls said, because every night he went out to give a speech and there were hundreds, if not thousands, of people cheering him on. Unskewedpolls.com. I mean, the same happened with 1383, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, real-world bubbles exist, and the more you are in kind of like the in the bunker, so to speak, of, like, government as well, the more you end up trapped in that bubble. And as a result, you just you just lose it. You just lose touch with everything else. There's, 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 there's a reason why you have wilderness years for political parties. And uh, fundamentally, it's, it, it, it's, yes, it's about kind of finding a new vision. Yes, it's about finding, you know, new, new ideas and all of these different things. But it's also just about going... Okay, where, where is everything now? Like we've done our thing for for however many years it was. What do we need to focus on? I think it's a good job then that on this podcast we're not in a little bubble and we're able to stand above the fray and view British politics with the objectivity and seriousness that it deserves. <laughs> and if you want to hear more of that objective seriousness. <laughs> You could support us on Patreon, couldn't you, Steve? Yeah, you go to patreon.com slash not enough champagne. Fling us a few quid every month. Uh, you'll get access to some unique episodes, some unique blog content that we put out. <laughs> and with this high level of uh, professionalism that you just heard of, Tor- of Corey picking up his drink and then the coaster just dropping off of it as, uh, as gravity uh, occurred, like that's the sort of professionalism you can support with your hard-earned pounds. Unlike any of the conservative leaders at the moment, I actually believe in science. I know that was gravity. <laughs> that is my pitch to be the next Tory leader. Uh, our website is notenoughchampagne.com. Our Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash notenoughchampagne. James Crown designed our logo. You can follow him on Twitter at James Crown. Uh, and Dave Depper composed our theme tune. Pookie Good Times. I'm at Paperback Writer. I'm at Acoustic Radical. Happy plotting. <laughs>